Welcome to Pastor to Pastor, part of the Hope for the Agora podcast series, where we take a look at the issues surrounding stigma toward mental health in the church. As part of the Agora Network Ministries, we seek to use our media presence to bring the message of hope and healing to those struggling with mental health. Through focus, frank discussions, and conversations, we bring to the forefront key issues the church wrestles with regarding support for people with mental health difficulties and ways the church can become a place of support and healing. Now, Pastor to Pastor is the program that focuses mainly on supporting pastors and leaders on their mental, emotional, and spiritual health journey. Welcome. This podcast is a continuation of a conversation that I was having with Bart Campbell uh, regarding suicide, um, depression, mental health of the pastor. So this is part two. I hope you enjoy. So tell me um, what you think we need to talk about and address specifically regarding suicide. You're the, you're the guy who deals with this all the time. Recognizing the signs. Okay. That, that's the number one thing. You know, the fact of the matter is that, that Jared Wilson, prior to him dying by suicide, did a funeral of a person, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong as far as the story is concerned, that died by suicide. I believe that is right. Right. You know, and the fact of the matter is that there was a, probably a lot of people, and to no fault of their own, there's probably a lot of people around them, right, around him that, oh, wow, he's got it all together. He's dealing with his mental health uh, really, really well, but didn't recognize the risk, didn't recognize the pressure, the internal pressure he is putting on himself. Right. And I, you know, the fact of the matter is that we have to have check ins and we have to have check ins with real people. You know, you said yourself, you know, when you were, you were pastoring, how would you have felt coming out to your congregation and say, look, at, you know, I'm struggling. I'm struggling with anxiety. I have been having thoughts of killing myself. How would yeah. that affect your, your church? Well, um, that's all part of the story uh, because I came out to my leadership as I was going through, you know, there was a marital breakup and all of that involved in that. Um, and I literally said to them, as I've shared in my story, um, there are moments when I'd rather be with Jesus than have to keep going and dealing with this and struggling with this. And they were kind of, aghast they looked at me like deer in the headlights like you just you didn't just say that did you even though they knew I was already going for counseling but I was being open and honest you know just trusting that that's and I, I think that's why part of Agora Ministries is that that's essential as you've been saying to be just be honest who I think it what was helpful is that I identified First of all, as beloved by God, I had come to that point of knowing my identity deeply rooted in Christ and realizing that if God is calling me to be open and honest through this whole journey, I have to trust him in whatever befalls from it. Absolutely. 
And that can be a scary place. But I was in this place where I sensed the spirit was saying, you just got to do what you got to do. Now, in that, I ended up with um, a three-month leave of absence. But when I came back, I was like, I'm not ready to continue to do this, maybe part-time. And they were at a they were at a place for, you know, and this happens often, but they were at a place and we mutually agreed on this that I, because they were a young church, they needed to move forward and they needed the opportunity to do that. And I was sensing, you know what, God's got something else probably, so I need to just step away. That was probably about the healthiest it could have been. But I hear story after story, and you may have had two in your many years as a pastor, where pastors finally have to deal. It's very obvious they have to deal with something in their mental health and get the help they need. And the church may say, okay, we want to support you in that pastor. But by the pastor, by the time the pastor comes back from the sabbatical or the leave of absence, they've already had their meetings and made up their mind. We can't have somebody like that on the pulpit. Right. Okay. And, you know, I can only hope that congregations get to the point that they offer that, <laughs> that care for their pastor and are proactive as opposed to reactive. Let's not get, allow it to get to the point where, you know, somebody has a breakdown in, in whatever, whatever form that might be. But let's build into our structure and our support for the pastor, you know, making sure that he has the benefits or she has the benefits, making sure that they have the time off, making sure that the, the roles are defined, making sure that, that the expectations are, 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 are attainable. Right, you know, within the re- realm of reality, you know, we can't make the sun shine or the rain stop, you know, so let's not have that expectations on, on <laughs> pastors, but make sure that it is a, a healthy environment for pastors in general and pastors and, and people in ministry in general. But I mean, making sure that it's a healthy environment and having some accountability from the board and pastors have to have accountability outside the board people that they can talk to, to to be real, right? Well, and that addresses the issue that uh, a lot of pastors um, don't really have close friendships outside outside the church. church. And more more than anything, uh, we encourage, I've encouraged a lot of pastors to, you, you need to find friends outside the church. I've always had friends outside the church that weren't necessarily pastors. But, you know, uh, a whole part of this picture is that we are taking care of ourselves holistically. Absolutely. Right? So I need to take care of uh, both you and I are on the, the Weight Watch thing, you know, trying to get ourselves in a healthier place with our, you know, our bodies, Right. So because the body and the mind, the biology is all attached and, you know, people struggling with depression, they say, you know, you need to have some routine of regular exercise, even if it's walking for 20 minutes a day, do stuff, move, um, watch what you're eating. All of those play a role. And it's amazing. Um you know, not that we throw everything on statistics, but health-wise, pastors are some of the most unhealthy people out there by and large. Over 50% are unhealthy, un- overweight. Um, they don't, they, they admit not exercising. So that's, you know, this holistic picture. If pastors are going to be mentally and emotionally healthy, is part of it. And I think that's where the congregation's leadership needs to put 
systemically in place the, the, the whole idea of, okay, we are going to watch the amount of hours a pastor puts in. We're going to, we're going to advocate for the pastor when people say, you know, we don't think he's working enough, or as people jokingly but hurtfully say, don't pastors just work on the weekends, you know, four hours and, you know, whatever. Yeah. And uh, that for pastors, uh, churches need to see this holistic approach like they would appreciate for themselves as well. Right. You know, going back to the stigma, right? Um, the fact of the matter is a lot of people I deal with that have a mental health diagnosis. Unfortunately, the mental health diagnosis becomes their identity. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, oh, yeah, he's schizophrenic. Oh, yeah, he has major depressive disorder. Oh, they're borderline, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the stigma is that that becomes part of our identity. And, you know, even new people walking into a church, oh, that's the pastor. He had a mental breakdown three weeks ago or a month ago or six years ago or whatever, right? So, you know, we have, we, we, we watch him closely or her closely. You know, it's, it's just such a huge conversation and to break the stigma, right? You know, people struggle. We are fallible. You know, we, you know, we have issues that need to be dealt with and we need support for those things, right? And, you know, a lot of it should stem from the congregation looking at pastors and saying, what can we put in place to help you be our pastor? Right? Yes. What is it that you need? You know, in an interview, it's always what you can do for us as opposed to what we can do for you. Right? And, you know, not only financially, but how do we keep you healthy and fresh? Right? right. You know, and really have those conversations with you. And having somebody on the board that, that is the advocate for the pastor. Right? You know, a close friend. Right. Not, you know, not an official of the church, but a close friend. They can go to the board and say, hey, you know what? This is what I'm seeing. Yes. Right? Yeah. And that it's a safe space to safe do that. Yeah. Right. Uh, and when I think of leadership, having an advocate is very clear. And that's one of the things that we if we consult with the church, we say, here are some things that need to be in place, including, you know, two or three key people, maybe, you know, certainly someone from the leadership team. But it's a confidential group uh, that sort of just comes alongside the pastor, advocates for the pastor when necessary, um, is there for the pastor. And, And that's something that can be built in the system itself, along with uh, healthy breaks. I I talked, and I've you've had this probably. I've had this where vacation time suddenly gets interrupted because people expect you're going to come back and do this funeral, funeral, right, or this wedding, right? or or this yeah. wedding or whatever. Yeah, there's yeah. this crisis. You're going to stop what you're doing and come back. Yeah. Um, it's treated differently than anyone else who goes on vacation and just shuts off and says, "Well, I'll, I'll deal with it when I come back." They don't have those kinds of responsibilities. Uh, so having something healthy, like here's a regular sabbatical that we're going to build in every five years, the pastor gets so much time. If we see the pastors been working, especially during the seasons, right? That there are certain seasons, Christmas, you know, uh, Easter, different times of the, uh, the Christian calendar where a pastor can be extremely overworked. 
um, and knows that. We all know that going in, uh, that the church will say, well, yes, this is not included as your vacation because you've put 80 hours in in a week. So we're going to have you take extra time off after Christmas or after Easter. We're going to give you that space. Uh, and this is too, on the other side of it, is where pastors themselves need to be honest with themselves in terms of what they're bringing to the table that may be unhealthy the way they function. You know, uh, they come in not necessarily struggling with mental illness per se. They're, they're on some level of the continuum as we all are, the mental health continuum somewhere along the line. But some of us come in with our own perceived identities. We come in with our own perceived understanding of what ministry is supposed to be like, right? Uh, And and we have, say, unresolved issues ourselves, traumas that we haven't dealt with in the past from maybe even other churches or life in general. And we end up bringing that into ministry. So there's that side of it too. So the church needs to deal with it and put healthy systems in place. But now how do we encourage pastors do what you need to do? Well, if, if, if Galatians 1.10, and, and uh, you know, I'm going to go to it really quick. Okay, I hope you don't mind. Yeah, but go you, ahead. You know, part of the biggest challenge in the church is for people to do self-reflection. You know, from a self-esteem perspective, you know, the biggest thing, difficulty is that people cannot self-reflect, right? And, and God calls us to, right? But I'm reading from Galatians 1.10, it says, Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God, or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. Hmm. And I ask people, you know, in study, in, in, in self-esteem, you know, suicide, what is that scripture? What, what, what do we have a tendency to forget in that scripture? Right? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, in life, I go through life, and I'm trying to please everybody else. But the fact of the matter is, if we stop and self-reflected, the one person that we, we negate from that scripture is that all too often in our lives, we try and please ourselves. Mm, yes. Okay? And so I'm going to do what brings me validation. I'm going to do what, you know, brings self-importance. I'm going to do what is easier for me. And it's across the board, right? You know what? You know, speaking the truth, I'm afraid to speak the truth because I want to please me and it's easier. But God wants me to speak the truth. God wants me to be open and honest. And, you know, mm-hmm. one of the biggest challenges in, in, is getting people to self-reflect. And exactly as you said, what am I bringing to this? Am I bringing a hurt from when I was five years old and my need for for validation? Am I, you know, am I bringing, you know, forward a hurt from a previous church, a previous relationship, my own failures? I'm bringing this all to the table. And how do I deal with this? Right. Okay. Because it all becomes part of the equation. But as pastors, you're absolutely right. We have got to do some self-reflection and say, why am I doing what I'm doing? Is it because I want the accolades? Am I afraid to give it over to somebody else? Am I afraid to be perceived as less than that I'm not superhuman? Yeah, and that has a lot to do with, um, you know, the holistic approach. When I look at how many pastors say they spend exorbitant amounts of time in Scripture, but it's mostly to prepare teaching and a sermon, and 
do not find themselves fed that much by Scripture. Uh, right. That is mind-boggling to me um, because my practice always was to just delve into it and let the passage preach to me first. Absolutely. And then it would be easier for me to put myself into a message and bring it to people with a sense of passion and urgency uh, because God has already spoke this into my life. And so that's kind of mind boggling to me that there are the majority of pastors, many pastors say they uh, don't get out of the message uh, or, or the reading of scripture uh, that nourishes them in a personal way. So I think part of the holistic approach, and this is something um, that I think is affected by stigma, as we've talked about in the past, is where pastors, number one, aren't given the space perhaps to really go on uh, important retreats of silence, prayer, practicing a more contemplative life, so to speak, where they just learn to be in the presence of Christ. I can remember coming back from a prayer retreat of two days, and people looked at it. It was intensive. It was so intensive. I was by myself in this cabin in Colorado where I lived at the time, and a friend of mine said, here's a cabin, my cabin. It's gorgeous, but it was just me and God for two days, and it got really intense. And I came back, and people were like, I bet you that was a nice little vacation. Did you do some fly fishing while you're out there? Da, 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 da. I'm like, I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. God showed up in a huge way. And they felt like I was taking some sort of vacation because I wasn't in my office. And I to to have uh, space within the, the church for a pastor, wouldn't we want the pastor to be on their knees as much as possible? You know, so that we know that they're in good relationship with God, God's doing work in them, that they're learning to hear the voice of God. They're learning to live into the identity of being beloved by Christ, that they are Christ's son or daughter first. Uh, and we missed that piece. It seems that even if we get, I need to be physically healthy, I need to be uh, mentally healthy, we seem to neglect, I've met many pastors that neglect this very key piece and part of it, not all of it, but part of it uh, is that they don't feel they would be allowed to take that much room in their schedule um, in the church. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if you and I sat down and made a list of, of the priorities from a pastor perspective, you know, I personally would start, okay, first off, it starts with the pastor. He has to be real with himself, within themselves right? And okay, what are you capable of doing? What are you not capable of doing? What are your gifts? What are your talents? And, you know, operate within within that. When, you know, you and I talk about, we joke with, with, with our, our fearless leader, leader right? <laughs> and, you know, we I make a point of telling him, did you take time off? Did you take days off? And, you know, more often than not, he, he, he doesn't take time off. You know, he's so passionate about what he wants to do. And, but you know what? It's got it's got to be in balance. Everything has got to be in balance. So you you know what? Let's start with the pastor and work our way down from that. So when we go into an interview, when we go before the congregation, when we go before the elders, there is real expectation spelled out. This is what I need to be successful here. I went for a job interview once, and and the the person that interviewed me, it was for mental health. Uh, and addictions, and he said, "So you interview me, and I only had one question, one question, 
And I said, you have my best interests at heart. And his response was, is that my job? And I said, if you want me to have the best interests of heart, heart that everybody calls that comes through this front door, I need to know that you have my best interest. You're looking after me, mm-hmm. right? And so it starts there. And if congregations are not able to do that, if we can't have those real conversations, then often it, you know, the, the, the destination is, is not going to end up well. We're, not gonna, we're gonna end up where we don't want to end up, right? Burned out, fried, you know, done, right? And so we have to have those conversations and be real. And a lot of that is teaching the congregation's expectations. What are God's expectations on us? What are God's expectations on others? Right. right. You know, five years ago, I gave up the church. I gave up pastoral ministry. I was done. I had enough. You know what? The fact is I was making the bulletins, passing out the bulletins, checking on everybody as, you know, cleaning and everything else like that. And I turned to my wife and I said, I'm done. I've had enough. Right. Can't do this anymore. And it was basically a two year sabbatical in which I journeyed, right, from church to church to church to church. You know, part of my challenge was that I critiqued everything the pastor said. Uh, right. <laughs> I would have said it that way. I would have said it this way. Right. <laughs> you know, you know, full of my own stuff. Anyways, that's a sidebar. But it was it was a wonderful two year sabbatical. And, you know, God called me in through the back door to get into pastoral ministry again. And it's been exciting. It really has. You know, I learned from the first three rounds that this is what I can do. This is what I'm willing to do. And I am going to be real in doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, the church, we have moments where, okay, anybody got anything to share? Any struggles or anything else like that? And I share my struggles. I say, you know what? I got angry. And boy, did I feel like, you know, this is my reality. Right, because you know, I can feel those emotions. Mm-hmm. I can have those feelings. I just can't act on them. But a lot of times, if I'm sharing them, right, mm-hmm. like the congregation helps carry those burdens for me. I th- and they pray for me. Right, and I think uh, as a church planter myself, that started um, two churches, uh, that part of what you bring to the table as a pastor, I think you can do this even in an established church. Take some work, take some, this is where you need some people around you who can sort of guide you not to take huge steps all at once, but where pastors can start being real. They can bring it out in a way, um, not a lot of pastors preach on issues of mental health either, but it's something that a pastor can model, right? Uh, that you say, if if we're trying to encourage people to be real in their walk with faith, their whole humanity in light of their identity in Christ, if we are going to be encouraging people to do that, then we need, as pastors, to be the role models and take those risks. Otherwise, no one else will take the risk. And, and here's the thing. Along with that, you're absolutely positively right. When we are vulnerable, it gives other people permission to be vulnerable. It Mm -hmm. it establishes and creates a safe environment in which we can have honest conversations. Right? Yeah. You know, the fact is, how are you doing today? Fine. It's a standard answer. Fine. Right? Two two reasons. A, I don't want to tell you everything that's going on in my life. And the other piece of that is, 
you don't want to hear everything that's going on in my life. <laughs> but let's create this safe environment where we can be open and honest and know that it's a safe environment where we can share our hearts, our spirits, and our struggles. Right? And yes. at the end of it, pray together. Pray together. Not, you know, here. You know, let's pray. God to give us the courage yeah. and the strength. 100%. Yes, because while faith and mental health are not mutually exclusive, they certainly work with each other. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. You know, um, giving it over. And that's some of the things that we teach as well when we do Time to Thrive groups and things like that. Healthy rhythms of faith and body and mind and relationships, that they all play a role together um, in our own mental wellness whether we're pastors or not pastors, but if pastors are willing to take the lead. I, you know what I've discovered for myself, that ju- how freeing it is when I can be so in love with Jesus and I know my identity is in Christ, not in my diagnosis, not in things I've done in the past, not in any of that, Um or what I might do in the future, but that I am first and foremost a child of Christ and he holds me, that that is so freeing to the point that I can be honest with my own struggles. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't need to be sensitive as to who I share those with. And if I'm going to share in front of a congregation what I'm safe to share, right? Because, you know, idealistically, it'd be like, let's just pour it all out on the table. But people are still people. So, but we can still create that environment in a healthy way when we are, when we are healthy as well, when we're seeking our own mental, emotional, and spiritual health um, and our identity rooted and grounded in Christ, that we can take the risks because we know God's in it. God's spurring me to move forward and ask the hard questions of people, ask the hard questions of myself. Talk about my own struggles, as you were saying. So this has been great. Um, we could keep talking, brother. <laughs> you know, I, I really, I really, you know, going forward, right, I really like to see Agora, you know, you in particular, really, really teach congregations and pastors at the same time what they need to be mm-hmm. aware of, what they need, and really you know, long-term become a resource to reach out to people and say, look, you know, this is what I can help you with, right? This is what I can teach you. This is what God wants for you. And really for congregations to embrace it. Because the fact of the matter is, you and I both know, right? You know, there's a crisis coming, Yeah. right? You know, when, when we look at the church, we don't know what church is going to be. We don't know what it's gonna, the, the new church is going to look like. No. We don't. We don't know if churches are going to close, they're going to open, people are going to return, they're not going to return. We just don't know. It's right up in the air. We've never been here before, right? But there's going to be a lot of pressure on congregations, a lot of pressure, particularly on pastors, right, from themselves and from the congregation. Okay, how do we return to where Mm -hmm. we were? The fact of the matter is we're not going to return to where we were. Yeah. This is all new, right? And it's really supporting pastors in... What's to come? What's to come? How are you going to deal with this? So, for sake of closing, um, what's an encouragement that you'd like to leave 
with pastors and anybody listening um, today? Yeah, that's a big question. You know, the fact fact of the matter is uh, talk to people, be be real, seek help, seek help. That's the biggest thing, you know, and I'm hoping that you're going to add, you know, at the end of the program, all the places that people can get help, Mm -hmm. right? You, You know, here's the thing. Even if somebody phoned me up at where I work, right, and I work for Coast, here in Hamilton, if somebody phoned me up and said, hi, I'm a pastor, but I don't want to give you my name, I'm okay with that. I don't have to make a note or anything, right? You know, I can make it anonymous, Mm -hmm. but I can talk to the person and and direct them in where to get help, right? Yeah. And so seek help. Have those conversations. Have those conversations. You know, the fact of the matter is we receive over 30,000 phone calls every year. 30,000, right? You know, there's a lot of people that are struggling. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And some of them are, conversations are very benign, you know, but they, you know, talking to people really helps, really mm-hmm. helps. So I can yeah. only encourage people to, to seek help, even right. if it's anonymously, even if it's over the telephone, get right. the help, get the support. And right? surround themselves uh, as best they can with people they can trust and have these conversations with as well, right? And don't always say yes. As, exactly. Oh, that's great. That's a good one to end on. Don't always say yes. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I, I've always had at least one member on my board that would that would challenge me in everything. But I, I learned to appreciate that because I don't want somebody just agreeing with what I'm saying, Right. You know, if I say I'm fine, I need somebody to say, and I have accountability partners, to say, yeah, okay, are you really? Did you just lie to me? Or yeah. You, and, you know, point blank, Martin, are you full of crap? <laughs> <laughs> or in the that's, proper that's vernacular. <laughs> yeah, that's right. you got to use a proper vernacular sometimes. But uh, uh, for the sake of this show, we won't use that vernacular. But exactly. Exactly. So that's good. That's a great way to end our time together. We thank God that he um, has has brought you into doing what you're doing and to brought you into Agora. Um, like you said, we have a team that's pretty amazing. Um, I'm learning a ton. I'm growing in that. Um, developing this pastor to pastor, this pastor care segment, uh, trying to figure out how that's working within the COVID environment, how we can best do that. But it's definitely in process. And we thank, I thank God for the open doors that we've already had and the conversations that have sort of come out of the woodwork. And I'm praying that these programs um, through the radio, through podcasts, through the the information, the encouragement we send out regularly will just expand it, uh, not only across Canada, but we already have some people that are connecting with us in the U.S. Um, and to be able to network deeper and deeper and deeper that will only continue to support and help the church just sort of become a beacon in regards to the area of support in mental health. Uh, this one guy um, that I was talking about Previously, um, Steve Austin, who has the Catching Your Breath um, uh, book and and website, he talks about uh, wouldn't it be, you know, shouldn't the church perhaps, what did he say? Um, oh, yeah. 
Churches must be a sanctuary and a psych ward. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right? And it has to be safe to be that way. Absolutely. So exactly. our, our, the curve, the education curve uh, might be pretty high, but I think it, it starts slowly with a few that just begin to model it for the rest. And yeah. So, so, so one last thing. Imagine being a pastor with some situational crisis, mental health issues, uh, supporting people in the congregation that have mental health issues. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's just like, you know, and the burdens that you know pastors carry. Anyways, yeah, that's fantastic. Anyways. Thank you very much. So, but we have to be open, real yes. honest with ourselves. Thank you very much, Bart, for coming on and having this conversation we will pick it up again sometime down the road thank you for listening to our podcast today i hope you found it insightful encouraging and even challenging we'd love to hear from you for any reason even to just know how you're doing or concerns or ideas you may have for our programs And if you would like to hear us cover a particular topic around mental health and ministry, please contact us. You can get a hold of me through Agora Network Ministries, or my email is alan at Agora Network Ministries. That's A-L-L-E-N at Agora Network Ministries.com. Also, if you appreciate our podcast, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, or whatever platform you listen from. As always, we encourage you, if you are struggling with your mental health and are in crisis, to call the mental health hotline. Someone with proper training will listen and guide you toward a healthy response. If you are considering suicide, please contact a friend and call the suicide hotline, uh, or contact your counselor or therapist immediately. In Canada, you can call the Crisis Hotline at 1-833-456-4566. They also have texting at 45645. Or go to crisisservicescanada.ca for more information. If you're listening from the United States, you can call 911 or 1-800-784-2433. Or go to suicide.org for numbers in your area. If you would like to continue here programming here on Hope for the Agora, Pastor to Pastor, please consider supporting us um, through a donation. It could be a one-time donation or you can commit to a regular monthly donation, yearly donation, however you'd like to do that. You can find all this information in our episode notes or go to our website at agoranetworkministries.com and click donate and let us know what you're donating for so we can continue to bring you quality uh, on-air programs and um, excellent materials that any church can connect with. So my prayer is that you would be blessed and that God would give you his grace. Mm